0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. That's a
1: live shot right now from Diamond Head on the Honolulu coast as the leading edge of Hurricane Lane hits paradise. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. Hurricane Lane is down to a Category 3 storm, but already causing problems with heavy rain, flooding, and some areas reporting 30 foot ocean swells. An update on the travel situation in a moment, but first, Catherine Urquhart has the latest on the biggest weather threat to Hawaii in decades.
2: Major flooding is already underway across parts of Hawaii. More than half a meter of rain pummeling the state so far from outer bands of Hurricane Lane. At grocery stores, long lines and empty shelves as people prepare to hunker down. Hawaii's governor warning everyone to be ready for an extended period of uncertainty.
3: Just want to remind everyone to be prepared to shelter in place. um, 14 days of food and supplies and water, medicine, other necessities that they would have.
2: Gas stations are also being drained, most wanting to have their tanks full along with backup fuel. Um, It's a little bit windier but Among those bracing for the hurricane, Vancouverites Byron Byron Wong and Chantel Chow, who only days ago got married on Maui.
4: I think the biggest worry is the flash floods, the high winds, which might knock out power. Um, Mm -hmm. So we've been given like flashlights. Uh, We've been given notice to just have water in our rooms.
2: Also on Maui, Merv Byers and his son Jake, who has cystic fibrosis, they went to Hawaii to escape BC's Smoky Skies.
3: You feel a little helpless. We're just used to having control of things, and this is one of those things that you can't control. It's Mother Nature.
2: While tourists and locals waited out, emergency workers are closing roads in anticipation of mudslides. And while evacuation centres are open, space is very limited. <laughs> Catheter Cart, Global News.
1: And we'll get an update on the travel situation now. Aaron MacArthur is live out at YVR. And Aaron, I know you talked to some people coming home from Hawaii and also heading to Hawaii.
5: Yeah, believe it or not, people are heading into the teeth of the storm. Uh, An Air Canada flight left YVR this afternoon at 1.40, several hours ahead of its scheduled departure, trying to get ahead of the worst of the weather. Likely that's the last flight that's going to leave YVR for Hawaii for at least the next couple of days. WestJet has two flights that were scheduled to to depart here in the next half an hour, Uh, 18.15 to Honolulu and then 18.30 to Maui. Both of those flights have been cancelled as well as both of those flights tomorrow. WestJet scrubbing flights for two days. Air Canada waiting to see what the weather looks like tomorrow before they decide what to do with their one flight to Honolulu. And people who were coming home from uh, Hawaii this morning and people who were headed to Hawaii this morning uh, ready to to deal with it and, and bunker, hunker down when they get to Maui.
6: Went online and checked. United has
7: all their flights going through San Francisco and L.A. into Kahului, so I think it's okay. We're going to be all
8: right. We know someone that's there on the island, so they're going to, you know, get some supplies for us, and we're just going to ride the wave. (laughs) No pun intended.
9: Yeah. The airport's a gong show. It's like I was just overhearing people. uh, in the lineups, which were huge, saying, yeah, we were staying longer, but we were just jumping on flights and getting out as fast as we can. So I think a lot of people are just bailing from their holiday plans.
5: Now, WestJet did manage to get a couple of flights out of Hawaii this morning, uh, non-scheduled departures, trying to get people home to safety as, as best they could. Uh, likely no flights tomorrow out of either Oahu or Maui. Anyone who's scheduled to leave Hawaii on Friday will have to wait until the weekend. WestJet says they will contact passengers and, again, probably have some non-scheduled departures over the weekend. Chris?
1: No doubt. All right, we'll keep watching this storm, too, throughout the evening on our air and online. Thanks, Aaron. Right now, more than 40 firefighters scrambled to a Kitsilano neighborhood this afternoon to tackle a stubborn house fire. The three-story home at 3rd and McDonald was already well involved when crews arrived. Heavy smoke and flames drove the first firefighters out of the home and kept them well away. All they could really do was protect the neighboring homes and make sure residents nearby got out safely.
9: I do no, no, it's just, right uh, <laughs> upstairs.
10: Yeah. you know if anybody lives there?
3: No idea. Okay.
10: You guys are okay
5: though?
3: Yeah. The neighbouring house, uh, the owner of the neighbouring house or the occupants are extremely lucky. It was only the fast actions of the first arriving crew uh, who pulled the hose line immediately and began to cool it that saved it. These houses are very close together, wood framed, and it wouldn't have taken much for it to spread to the neighbouring house. But quick action by the first arriving officer is what saved that neighbouring premise.
1: At this point, it appears no one was inside the home that burned at the time, although firefighters haven't been able to search the entire building yet. The house is a write-off. No word yet on the cause of the fire. The smoke from wildfires might be clearing at least a little bit in Metro Vancouver, but with more than 550 fires still burning across B.C., the forest fire season is far from over. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau traveled to Prince George today to be briefed on the fires and was asked what Ottawa will do if this is, in fact, the new normal in B.C.'s forests. Nadia Stewart reports.
10: Yeah, see and make sure that everyone's uh, collaborating well.
11: The Prime Minister receiving a morning update on the wildfire situation in BC. The team behind the team on the front lines breaking down the situation for Justin Trudeau.
10: Basically uh, talking about how this uh, this season has been uh, uh, long, uh, scattered, uh, many, many fires in different places.
11: For the second consecutive year, British Columbia is burning. There are 563 active wildfires. 56 of them are significant. Since April 1st, over $282 million has been spent battling these blazes, prompting questions for Trudeau about help from the feds beyond the end of this season. The
10: conversations we need to continue to have, uh, federal government, provincial government, municipal governments and indigenous leadership together uh, to make sure that we uh, we, we learn how to protect people, how to protect uh, livelihoods.
11: Premier John Horgan says those conversations with the federal government are ongoing, though Trudeau offered no long-term plan to address B.C. and Canada's new reality. Still, Horgan says help has always been made available when needed. All
0: British Columbians are grateful for that. It also, of course, brings up other challenges that we face together. Climate change, Indigenous relations, and a host of other issues that are tied to the land base and tied to changing circumstances for our economy and for our people.
10: There's always uh, more that we should be looking at, at better integration, better allocation of
1: resources.
11: The kind of resources B.C. will no doubt need in the years to come. Nadia Stark, Global News.
1: And a little bit later, we'll show you how Northerners are coming together to help each other and their livestock during the fire crisis in a part of the province that looks apocalyptic in some shots. That's a little bit later. Right now, an unusual twist tonight in the story of the ongoing gang violence in Metro Vancouver. As Jill Bennett reports, a recent car fire in Burnaby, apparently set to destroy evidence of a crime, has claimed some unintended victims. This bike here... Contains a uh, frozen fish that I found
10: that
0: had died in the creek.
12: John Templeton checks on the fish in Burnaby waterways every day. Last week he found 10 dead cutthroat trout and coho fry in Stony Creek.
10: That's very unusual. I immediately checked more. I found more fish, so immediately I knew there's something serious has happened.
12: Templeton also found chunks of charred plastic in the area. Just days earlier, police and fire crews were called to a vehicle fire on nearby Ashgrove Crescent. The jeep that belonged to a man who had been stabbed to death in Surrey was burning. Following that fire, the jeep became evidence in the murder investigation, but it also left a toxic trail behind.
10: You have acid in the battery, you have antifreeze, you have engine oil, you have tyres, you have plastics you have transmission oil. So all of these combined together uh,
1: result in a very toxic mix. So our crews uh, took quick action to uh, extinguish the fire and prevent any spread of it. It was challenging. They did find uh, two gas cans uh, near the rear of the vehicle.
12: Burnaby firefighters took precautions to prevent toxic water from entering the catch basin, but they were dealing with extremely dry conditions.
1: We're obviously very concerned about environmental concerns, and so we take our precautions. And our crews did a great job of uh, focusing on that after uh, the public safety side was taken care of. They used absorbent material, uh, blocked off a storm drain.
12: There are still fish living in the creek, but the streamkeepers say they would like to have a bigger discussion on how to prevent any similar spills in the future, something the fire department says it's more than willing to do. Jill Bennett, Global News.
1: A Vancouver man has been charged with the city's seventh homicide of the year. 48-year-old Ngok Chau Nguyen is charged with second-degree murder in the April death of Min Hu Dam outside a restaurant on Kingsway near Nanaimo Street. Police say an early morning argument escalated into a fight. Dam was injured and then died later in hospital. Coquitlam RCMP are looking for a driver who may have witnessed a deadly motorbike crash three weeks ago. A 54-year-old man died when he collided with an SUV at Como Lake Avenue and Porter Street. Police want to talk to the person driving a white Nissan Murano that passed through the intersection just after the crash. The Murano was believed to be a 2003 to 2007 model shown in this video. It has a sunroof, aftermarket running boards and a sticker or decal in the passenger side rear window. And two people are facing charges after an alleged home invasion in Port Coquitlam last Thursday. RCMP traced the suspects to a home in the Albion neighborhood in Maple Ridge and arrested 11 people two have now been charged with forcible confinement break and enter and assault two people were injured one of them is still recovering The ninaimo rcmp have released video of a brazen tire slasher hoping someone recognizes him it happened on wednesday august 15th in the parking lot of aspen grove school the man using a very large knife clearly visible in the video to puncture all four tires of the school passenger van he was wearing only shorts and sandals anyone with any information should call nanaimo rcmp or crime stoppers less than two weeks until most bc kids head back to class and the province's biggest school district is scrambling to find room for all of its students surrey already has plans to use more than 340 portable classrooms And as Jennifer Palmer reports, they'll probably need even more than that in the years to come.
13: Kids and parents are enjoying the last days of summer break. But for many Surrey residents, like Karen Miller, they're not looking forward to sending their kids back to school in portables.
7: It's kind of sad. They had all the beautiful space and now it's portables. So that kind of sucks. (laughs) So you'd rather than be in a school?
13: 333 portables, including 14 new ones, is how many Surrey has for this school year. That's up from last year. It's a number a campaigning NDP promised to annihilate in 2017. Now they say they're playing catch-up.
1: The uh, previous government left us with a 50% increase in the use of portables in Surrey. So we've got to get at that number. Uh, that's why we've approved uh, four new schools uh, as quickly as possible, $150 million of new capital. Uh, approved in Surrey alone this year.
13: The Surrey School District Board Chair says she's happy for the provincial funding, but hopes to be able to work closer with them and the city to figure out growth areas in Surrey and prioritize construction prior to class capacity being exceeded.
11: I would like to see no portables in a perfect world, but we do need some for everyday use, like additions, like I was saying. But it would be nice if we could have all the schools that we needed in Surrey, which would be almost a school a year.
13: There is some relief. Salish Secondary is opening this school year. It'll accommodate 835 students, a mere drop in the bucket when it comes to the thousands of students in portables. But the province has committed to building more Surrey
11: schools. In the next two to three years, we have 3,500 additional elementary school seats and 2,200 additional secondary school seats.
13: Surrey is growing fast and has the largest school district in B.C. with 72,000 students, any amount of new school construction can't come fast enough for parents. Jennifer Palma, Global News.
1: The campaign to replace a dangerous Vancouver Island highway is getting a boost after a fatal accident caused a long closure. The accident just after 8 o'clock yesterday morning forced the closure of the route that connects the capital region with the rest of Vancouver Island. Drivers had to take a more than three-hour detour or line up for that tiny Mill Bay Ferry. The Vancouver Island man behind a petition to replace the Malahat route says enough is enough.
10: I think there's a lot of people on the island who have had um, a lot of experiences with being delayed on the Malahat, with having accidents on the Malahat, and I think that there have been too many people who have been killed on the Malahat recently.
1: The transportation ministry says it's looking at potential alternatives to the highway and we'll have more information in the fall. The ministry says it's also working to improve the corridor as it currently sits. The Supreme Court of Canada has dismissed the city of Burnaby's appeal of their case against the Trans Mountain Pipeline. In May, the city announced it would appeal a decision by the National Energy Board that allowed the pipeline to go through Burnaby. Today, the court said it's refusing to hear that appeal. Mayor Derek Corrigan issued a statement saying, quote, Burnaby is not going away and... We intend to continue to oppose this project with all legal means available to us. It's been a stressful time for people from communities affected by the hundreds of wildfires burning across B.C. They're all concerned about properties and animals potentially in the path of the flames. But like in other times of crisis, residents aren't waiting for help, and instead, they're helping each other. Ted Chernecki reports.
0: The alien world that is the wildfires around Burns Lake. This is from Iona Island on Francois Lake.
7: Holy smokes, the wind just started.
0: Increasing winds, not a good combination with all that fuel still to burn. This is also ranch country, and beneath that crimson sky, there are thousands of animals that need to get out. And it's a mission that's bringing people together like rarely before.
14: The outpouring of the community, everyone just asking where they can help, what they can do, how they can get involved.
0: These three horses are happily grazing near Houston now. They themselves rescued. Even the wildlife seems to be aware that everyone getting along is key.
14: These guys were strangers and displaced from their home and we're housing them together. And, and they've actually become quite good friends.
0: 6,000 displaced cattle, 3,000 goats and pigs, etc. Not only a question of where to put them all, but how to feed them.
14: $5,444, and that's what it'll cost us just to feed those animals for one day. I just about fell. I don't know what to do.
0: (laughs) There is a GoFundMe website, but $1,870 is probably good for breakfast, and that's it. Then there's the bigger issue about all the grazing land going up in the flames and how to keep these animals from starving this winter.
14: Right now it's still kind of in, in the emergency stage where everybody's just trying to get their animals to safe ground. But looking ahead to the future and how we're going to manage that, I think the big thing is getting a plan in place and, and figuring out how we're going to do that.
0: And where exactly is that safe ground? Because it keeps changing with the vagaries of the wind. Ted Double Global News.
14: Oh, God. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh no. Remember
1: the guy caught on video taunting oh a huge bison in Yellowstone National Park? It went viral. And now 55-year-old Raymond Rinky has been sentenced to 130 days in jail for it and for resisting arrest and disorderly conduct. Rinke says he and his friend were on a, quote, last hurrah before he entered rehab. A dramatic turn of events today in the aftermath of that house explosion and fire in Kitchener, Ontario, earlier this week. Oh, my God. The whole house is gone. Police now say a woman was found dead in the backyard of the home after the blast on Wednesday. The coroner has now determined the 58-year-old woman was murdered. Her husband remains in hospital with serious injuries. Police aren't saying much else about the case, including whether they have a suspect. They also say the cause of the explosion has not been determined. A bombshell move by Quebec MP Maxime Bernier today abandoning the federal conservative party By quitting the Tory caucus, Bernier took parting shots at Tory leader Andrew Scheer as he went, saying he feels the party abandoned its ideals by refusing to end corporate subsidies or abolish the supply management system for poultry and dairy products. He called the party too intellectually and morally corrupt to be reformed, and he plans to start his own political party.
7: If we want conservative principles to win the bottle of ideas, we have to defend them openly, with passion and with conviction. That is what I want to do. And this is why, as of today, I'm no longer a member of the Conservative Party of Canada.
1: U.S. Customs agents busted an imposter trying to get into the country illegally, but it's how they found out he was lying that's unique. It's the first time facial recognition technology has ever helped them make a bust like this. And as Tom Costello reports, they say it's proof that technology works.
3: It happened during the morning arrival crush at Washington's Dulles Airport. A 26-year-old man arriving from Brazil tripped up by new facial recognition cameras, which alerted officers that the traveler with a French passport did not match his passport photo. Officers soon found his true ID card in his shoe. He was from the Congo, not France, the first facial recognition catch. He
4: was trying to enter the country illegally. We apprehended him,
3: processed, and returned
9: back to Brazil. Back to Brazil. Back to Brazil. One more time. Just look straight ahead for me, please.
3: Congress ordered a biometric upgrade years ago to better track who is entering the country and who is leaving. Take your photo right here. Now facial recognition cameras are in more than a dozen airports, matching faces with photos already on file in passports, visas and other sources. You can much more accurately identify who an individual is. Uh, You can much
4: more rapidly speed them through processes and uh, much more likely be able
3: to uh, target the individuals who are unlawfully present in the United States. When we were at Dulles last year, officers arrested this man in a white hoodie on an active arrest warrant. Customs says the cameras have a 99% accuracy rating. The TSA is hoping that one day facial recognition technology will replace passenger boarding passes. Already, several airlines are testing the technology, hoping to speed along the check-in process, as biometric screening helps to secure the homeland. Tom Costello,
1: NBC News, Washington Dulles Airport. In health matters, tonight, Lower Mainland first responders are doing their part to help with the ongoing need for blood donations. Paramedics, firefighters, police officers, all stepping up to give blood and encouraging others to give as part of the Sirens for Life campaign. Donations really drop off in the summer months because many people are away on vacation. A Delta police officer has a very personal reason to support the campaign after he was diagnosed with an aortic aneurysm.
4: Exactly one year ago, I underwent open-heart surgery. During the surgery, uh, there was unexpected and significant bleeding from one of the coronary arteries when they are reattaching it. I suffered significant bleeding. I had to undergo four blood transfusions. About two hours longer, the surgery. And uh, it's not till I came to I found out what had happened. Sitting there thinking about it, there's four, at least four strangers out there who took the time to donate blood, and it definitely saved my life.
1: This thing has been around for six decades. six As long as our producer, Tim Perry, he
10: reminds us. Happy birthday to both. (laughs) Tim's not quite as scary, at least Mm -mm. from my standpoint, as the roller coaster is, but we thought we'd take a look at 60 years of the roller coaster, and people in this town still love the iconic
3: coaster. It
10: cost $200,000 to build the most iconic structure at the p and and when it was finished, it was the biggest roller coaster in Canada, made primarily of wood. It has not only stood up through 60 years of rides, it's even survived a fire. And the plan is for it to keep on surviving until who knows when.
4: Uh, I think there would be uh, an uproar of our, from our guests if we were to ever even contemplate replacing this ride.
14: I
13: love
0: that roller amazing coaster. Ride, amazing There's ride,
4: nothing yes.
14: like it. It was really fun. It was amazing. It was a bit
7: yeah. of a drop. but
10: <laughs> All those drops are courtesy of physics and gravity. The engine, which came from a Campbell River sawmill, is only used to get you up the first hill. I can't think of too many coasters that have that situation now right no they're all computerized they usually have big computer
4: rooms and things like that we have a lever and that's that's it that's what's so cool about this ride it's about a hundred grand a year to keep this thing spruced up that's our winter maintenance plan about a hundred thousand dollars in and of course labor and our trades and timber Uh, we replace portions of it every year to keep it young and so it's in better shape now than it was the day it was built
10: even the trains are original
4: same three trains they of course get refurbished from time to time but that's part of the same attraction that we purchased 60 years ago
10: and where you sit in the train determines what kind of ride you're going to get
4: uh, if you're at the front uh, versus at the back the back will whip you around a little bit more some days it's faster than others depending on humidity and weather um, so no two rides are the same
11: we just came back from Florida and we did this huge coaster and, the, and we're like, ah, we could do this one, no problem. Oh my gosh. So, it's still intense. Even though it's not as high as we thought it would be, the... It's the I almost fell out like yeah. four times. <laughs>
10: <laughs> and really, how many things from 1958 can still rock the 21st century? Wild ride. And it's not going anywhere. As they said, it's going to stay here for a long, long time. In fact... The roller coaster, I don't know what it was called the roller coaster, maybe it was called the Little Dipper, the Big Dipper, was actually on the other side of the P&E before they built this one, over by where the Pacific Coliseum is now. Wow. And then they moved it this way.
1: Glad we still got this one. I don't know if Yvonne's had a chance to check it out yet. She's down at the p e There's another major attraction that's very cool that you're at right now with the weather, Yvonne
7: yes we're at the lost world of dragons this is an interactive exhibit that is new to the peony this year so we're just on the other side of where the coaster is uh, but if you do want to check it out i'll have more on it and we'll show you a bit more of the exhibit in just a moment but let's get to the forecast where we saw a significant drop in temperatures for many areas and much fresher across the south coast today with some onshore flow tower count, though we're still seeing cloud cover local smoke and we will still see a very similar weather picture for tomorrow Highs today up to 29 degrees for Kelowna. Williams Lake at 17. Victoria today topping out at 18 degrees. A couple of tweets that we received. Thank you, Victor. This is a shot from Kelowna this evening. So still seeing that smoke throughout the area. And our very own Janet Brown from CKNW um, shot this in Surrey this evening where she said you see a bit of blue sky, but still the smell of smoke through the area. Satellite from NASA still seeing the smoke. It'll thicken once again for the interior sections. Air Quality Advisory still remains in effect right across the province and the next weather system or the system that we're tracking especially for this evening will affect the interior special weather statement has been issued for the Fraser Canyon north including Lillooet 100 mile and South Thompson where we could see some of these thunderstorms ramp up bring brief downpours and up to 10 millimeters of rainfall so this is what we're closely watching for the evening it'll be unsettled once again for tomorrow jet stream just showing you the westerly flow that's bringing in the cooler air but the smoke being blown back and towards the interior. It'll thicken for the weekend and the risk of thunderstorms will pop up once again for the southeastern corners, the Columbia and the Kootenay for tomorrow. The northern half of the province coastal sections at 15, widespread smoke across the central and southern interior. Kelowna will be up to 21 degrees. We're looking at a chance of showers or drizzle once again. It'll be across the south coast for most areas and Abbotsford will be up to 20 degrees. It'll be cool. Be prepared for the weekend where we're looking at a chance of showers for both days and only highs of 18 and 19 degrees. All right, I'm joined by Thor. We're at the um, Lost World of Dragons exhibit. This is the first time it's here, so tell everyone home a little bit more about it.
9: Well, it's everything you expect from dragons, not just what you see in the media, you know, movies like uh, Dragonheart or, or any of those kind of movies, but also uh, we let you know what the legends are, what um, cult- how cultures uh, have revered the dragons, how they have been icons and symbols for so many people for so many centuries.
7: Right, and we've got the kids that are just in behind us. It's a great interactive exhibit. Uh, what's some of the highlights for you? What do you think sort of draws people here as well?
9: Well, I think what's drawing the people here is the uh, the fact that we give them the chance to ride on a dragon. Cool. We have two VR chambers over here. Um, full 360 degree immersive environment where you're actually sitting on a dragon. You're flying through the air towards castles. You get to blow up the castles with the fireballs, blow up other dragons. That's the fun part, and uh, it's a great experience. That's something that uh, everybody should check out.
7: Very cool. You guys will be here for the remaining of the Peony, and it's free for yes. people to come in with admission.
9: Yes, it is. Well,
7: thank you so much for your time. And again, we're lo- located uh, at the Peony. It's one of the exhibits. The first time it's here, it's called the Lost World of Dragons, and we can see lots of kids have come out to check it out as well. Guys.
1: Oh, I know. That's going to be on Williams' to-do list for sure. Thanks very much, (laughs) Yvonne. I appreciate that. Thanks to everybody down there. Kids
10: are more mesmerized by the camera than the dragon. They are.
1: That's right. Well, TV is special. It's like magic.
10: It is like magic. Not everybody can get on it. That's why people like to wave at
1: the camera. That's right. Uh, More on that strange sight from a flight over Utah Lake to show you. This is how the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources stalks some of those high mountain lakes. Transporting the fish by ground apparently takes a lot longer and it's more stressful on the fish. Oh, so like that's not? They load them up in the plane <laughs> and drop them from the sky. And they say, because the fish are very tiny, officials say more than 95% of them survive the drop. Wow. Looks a little traumatic, though. It does. It? It's like,
10: you know, they're just having a nice time and someone opens a hatch and away you go.
1: <laughs> away they go. No shoots. All right, Squires here with sports. Football is a very exciting game to watch. But sometimes, in certain moments it's even more exciting. Well, it
10: depends what play they call, of course. Uh,
1: Now, during a football game, most of the plays you see are
10: the same ones, although they have some variations. They really aren't that memorable, unless it's a long pass for a touchdown or something. But every once in a while, a team tries a trick play. And when they work, they are the most remembered ones of all. But they are rare, because coaches, especially professional coaches, are wary of the consequences when they don't work. When Vancouver, make that B.C., played Toronto, a fake punt worked for the Lions. Something you don't see often with B.C.
1: And look at this.
3: Wally Blano. Bag of tricks.
4: I was told by uh, some of the front office guys that that might be the first time Wally's run a fake punt in, in, in his history here.
10: Every football team has trick plays diagram, but... They don't like to admit to it or discuss it openly. How many would you have in the playbook? We don't have any. No trick plays in the playbook? No trick plays. None whatsoever. You just winked. Oh, I did? Oh, sorry. I wasn't supposed to see that. Trick plays do get called, but often not run, because the situation, like last week against Toronto, has to be perfect.
4: A lot of times the fake is we're looking for the right look to get into, so there will be times we'll jog on the field and we'll have a fake ready, but if we don't get the look, we'll just run our normal play.
10: Now you do see more trick plays in college football than professional football, and there's a reason for that.
4: There is a tendency as the higher, this is really interesting phenomenon, but the higher level of the game you go, the more the game is played not to lose as opposed to, to go out and win it
10: because in the pros coaches need to be completely convinced it has a chance to work if you don't have confidence in seeing the guys during the week executed properly then there's no confidence uh to call it i mean you understand that more being a coach than being a player because the fact that you know a trick play is in they just want to run it they don't care what the result is whereas you're thinking about the next play but there are some glorious exceptions on the biggest stages like this year's super bowl a trick play for Philadelphia called the Philly Special resulted in a touchdown catch by quarterback Nick Foles, who instantly became the envy of quarterbacks everywhere.
1: We all wish we
4: could channel our inner Nick Foles Super Bowl moment, right? Anytime you get a, re- a reverse pass or something like that, I've always wanted to catch a touchdown in my career. I never, I've never caught a ball, so I've always wanted to go out and, and catch a touchdown. You ever caught one? I've caught a ball. Guess who threw me my one career completion in the CFL?
0: And now a chance to score. G. Roy Simon will throw back to Travis Moore.
4: Thank you, G. Roy.
10: <laughs> Yesterday we told you how that rumor about the Canucks being interested in a trade for Eric Carlson was about as far-fetched as it can get. The Canucks will not trade to Ottawa what the Senators would want, which would be young prospects and a first-round draft pick. Today's Eric Carlson rumor... There's a new one today. Says he doesn't want to play for another Canadian team anyway. Carlson apparently wants to play for an American team. He turned down a contract extension with Ottawa earlier this summer. Three teams who are very interested in Carlson, who are in the States. Vegas, who actually tried to trade for him last season. Dallas and Tampa Bay. Carlson is going into the final year of his contract this season, so any trade, of course, would have to come with Carlson's guarantee that he would sign a new contract with his new team. And apparently all the stars are gathering in Toronto. In July it was John Tavares joining the Leafs, now Haley Wickenheiser. She has taken a job as Toronto's Assistant Director of Player Personnel. Now she was actually a guest coach at their development camp in June. They were very impressed with the way she worked with the players there. She, of course, is a six-time Olympian. FedEx playoffs have begun. Watch Dustin Johnson, won't you, on the sixth hole? It's a par three.
1: Well, I did mention that Dustin hits... He's nice a minus
10: shots. four after a one eight. round. There are four players well, at it minus it five, so he's one off miss. the lead. Was almost in a tie for the lead if that had gone in. Oh. Almost oh. an ace. Brooks Koepka, Mr. Major, two this year. Sinking
9: big big yeah, yeah,
10: this he's he's long one. The he's the also the the at four, four under he's par. Four the man who finished year. right behind him at the PGA Championship, of course, was Tiger Woods. This looks like an easy pitch for Tiger, but sometimes... Too much spin. But
1: he's also one of the best wedge players, from 50 to 125 yards, he's on
10: the Way too much spin. Even par 71 today. And the Canadian Women's Open for LPGA players going on in Regina. After the Mariaho Uribe of Colombia drops that putt, drops this putt. Course record, eight under par,
1: 64. Brooke Henderson is two off the pace. There you go. All right. Thanks very much, Squire. We've got Andrew standing by with a preview of Global News at 11. And Thanks,
8: Chris. And we are keeping an eye on the developing situation in Hawaii as Hurricane Lane now downgraded to a Category 3 hurls towards the islands. Plus, they were hit hard by floods this spring, and now the community of Grand Forks is finding out just how long the process to rebuild will take place. Displaced residents are being given two options. Whatever they choose, it will take two to four years to implement. And in the meantime... Some remain homeless. We'll have more on this story when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris.
1: Okay, thanks very much, Ann. We'll see you then. A young Vancouver Island athlete reaches the podium of a prestigious international event in the States. That's up next. But first, here's Kasia Badurka with five things to do this weekend. (sighs) Kasia.
6: Yep, here we are, last weekend of August and a range of fun on the outside with a visit to Chilliwack as our first of five things. From the people that brought you the tulips of the valley, we now have the first ever Chilliwack Sunflower Festival. It just opened Wednesday and by the time you visit, you'll be surrounded by acres of mammoth sunflowers. Don't leave your friends at home, just think of the photo ops. It's the second weekend of the Vancouver International Bird Festival with a packed agenda for all. It includes a bike and birds excursion, yoga and birds exercise, a children's festival day at the convention center and a nature and bird expo. Dragon Boat BC is hosting the Steveston Dragon Boat Festival. Cheer on the racers and as always enjoy the exhibits and entertainment that goes along with all the excitement. To celebrate the end of summer, the city of Lougheed is hosting a block party in Burnaby. Multiple local food trucks will be on site along with a Brewer's Row pop-up, live music and family activities. Get ready to get your groove on in downtown Nanaimo this weekend. It's the annual Summertime Blues Festival, so bring your own lawn chair and a blanket and listen to nearly 20 acts on the open-air stage, including the Soul Shakers, Bill Johnson, and David Gogo. For more, head to globalnews.ca slash 5 Things.
0: 5 Things to Do is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners. Plus, get the best roadside assistance.
1: So we mentioned this 8-year-old Victoria boy early. he has some legitimate bragging rights now when it comes to stand-up paddle boarding, because he was recently the youngest to compete in his category at one of the top competitions in the world, and nearly, nearly crossed the finish line first. Here's Kylie Stanton.
8: All right. It's a father-son ritual, gearing up, going for a walk, and getting to their playground.
10: I started paddle boarding on my mom and dad's board probably at age two. And uh, he really seemed to actually enjoy it.
8: Griffin Simpson has been practicing ever since.
10: Technique, your body position, put your paddle forward, pull back. Put your paddle forward, pull back.
8: And this past weekend in Oregon, it all paid off.
10: It says 2018 Nash Gorge. Paddle challenge.
8: The eight-year-old took second place in what's become one of the most prestigious stand-up paddleboarding events in the
14: world. The start of lap number one of four.
8: He was the youngest competitor in the Super Grom category, making it around the two and a half kilometer course fast enough to make it up
10: onto the podium. They're coming from Hawaii. There's uh, Fiji, Tahiti. He just got out there and he did it, and uh, I was really proud that he completed the race, and uh, the fact that he
4: ended up on the podiums just truly amazing.
13: And I'm like, what? Daddy, go get my paddle.
10: I was so surprised.
8: But besides the medal and the glory, he had some extra motivation.
10: My mom said if I get on the podium, I get a chocolate bar. Because she didn't think I was getting on the podium, and I got on the podium.
8: <laughs> Did you get your chocolate bar?
13: Yeah, I got two.
8: <laughs> the real treat, at least for parents, is seeing the next generation of riders holding their own with the pros.
13: fire to the band coming around.
8: Sport is on the rise with a growing competitive circuit and some big money at stake.
10: I think there was about 18000 given away this year in prize money.
8: Griffin is proving he can go the distance, but he plans on taking it one step at a time.
10: I just want to keep racing and find out what happens.
8: In the meantime, back at their playground, father and son have another goal that they always manage to accomplish.
12: It's about having fun, really.
8: Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria.